0: To speak. I think very deep <laughs> thank you
1: for joining me on another edition of box Row right here on Sirius XM college sports radio in the words of WWE superstar LA Knight, let me talk to you because we got a lot to get to on today's program week one in HBCU football a lot of surprises in week one of HBCU football. You had a couple of upsets. uh, And we're going to talk about some of those upsets. But a big win. A big win for Morgan State University over nationally ranked Richmond. It was a huge win for the Bears program. As a matter of fact, the Bears, the talk of not only HBCU football, but FCS football certainly. And Damon Wilson, the head football coach of the Morgan State program, going to join us today here on box to row. I want to talk also, and like I said, got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the number of players, 31 former HBCU players made NFL rosters. 22 of those players are on the 53 man roster. The other nine are on practice or practice players. That said, and I've I've talked about this many times over the years, I've written about it. There are so many of these players, okay, that were free agent signees. They were not drafted, they were free agent signees, and something that I've been saying for many, many years draft these players. Why are these players? not being drafted they make teams i mean i'll give you a prime example i mean you could you could look at emmanuel wilson emmanuel wilson started his his college football career at johnson c smith he transferred to fort valley state okay and you could see that this guy could play on the next level goes undrafted this year makes the 53 man roster of the green bay packers well why wasn't he drafted so that's something I also want to talk about today here on the program. Also, Deion Sanders and Colorado. Got to give Colorado a lot of credit last week with the victory over TCU. I know a lot of eyes were on that game. As a matter of fact, that game had 7.5 million viewers. That game, 7.5 million viewers. That's a that's a lot of viewers uh, it, it, certainly, if that was a game that was played last year, uh, they, they, there would not have been that many viewers. And so I want to talk about that also today here on Box to Row. Listen, you can participate here on Box to Row on Sirius XM College Sports Radio. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. The games, uh, the HBCU Games of the Week. Um, we're going to talk about, there's a couple of games that we're going to talk about. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk Jackson State and Southern, that game going to be played in Baton Rouge. It's always a big game because you, that, I mean, you know, it, it, that game is going to be sold out in Baton Rouge. You're talking about the two best fan bases probably in all of HBCU football in terms of traveling, especially Jackson State. You know the Jackson State Faithful are going to travel to that football game, and uh, it's a big game. Uh, It's a big game for a number of different reasons. If you're Southern, you're looking to lick your wounds after a tough loss to Alabama State, whereas Southern has been picked to win the SWAC's Western Division. Meanwhile, on the other side, Jackson State, after that nice win in the MEAC SWAC Challenge a couple of weeks ago over South Carolina State, took one on the chin to Florida A&M. In the Orange Blossom Classic in Miami Gardens, Florida, last Sunday. And really, the Rattlers get over the hump. And so we're going to preview Jackson State and Southern. Then we're also going to preview North Carolina AT and North Carolina Central, the Aggie Eagle. Rivalry. I can't give a prediction on this game. I'm going to recuse myself from giving a a prediction uh, on the game as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina A&T football. However, I'm going to break the game down, and I'm looking forward to being in Greensboro on Saturday evening calling that football game. We want you to participate as always here. We got, listen, got a big show, a lot to get to today on the program. If you want to hit us up uh, on... Instagram, you can do that as well. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Big win for Morgan State against Richmond. Richmond nationally ranked in. Let me do this before I get into talking about Morgan State and the victory by Morgan State over Richmond, which was a huge win. And again, Damon Wilson, the head football coach, Of the Bears going to join us a little bit later on in the program. I've got to talk about the HBCU National Players of the Week. Got to talk about the HBCU National Players of the Week. And we're going to begin with Morgan State linebacker. Eric Hunter had a big game, 11 tackles. A tackle and a half for loss. A sack and a half, including a huge sack Fumble in the fourth quarter with the game tied at 10 apiece. That led to Morgan State scoring what amounted to the game-winning touchdown. So Eric Hunter, the HBCU, or one of the HBCU National Players of the Week, and then Tyrell Jackson, the quarterback from Johnson C. Smith, the other HBCU National Player of the Week, And uh, Tyrell Jackson, 19 of 28, 229 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. As I think the the Golden Bulls made a statement victory. That's a statement win over West Virginia Wesleyan, 49 to six. I think Johnson C. Smith is a team um, that is going to have something to say about that CIAA Southern division. So back to Morgan State. It was a monumental win. For the Bears and the Bears were the talk of FCS football talk of HBCU football all weekend that that hasn't happened. Now, you know, I say this a lot on this program. We think of some of the great HBCU football programs of all time coming to mind immediately would be grambling. I mean, I think that's first and foremost in most people's mind because uh, of Eddie Robinson and. Uh, just the publicity that Grambling has had over the years, playing in Japan and playing, you know, all over the country back in the day and all of the great National Football League players that have played and uh, those that have gone on to, to to go to the Hall of Fame, the Willie Davises, the Buck Buchanan's, the list goes on and on. Then you would think about, you know, you would think about Jackson State and you would think about Tuskegee. I mean, Tuskegee is the HBCU program with the most victories all time. So you would think about Tuskegee. You may even think about Tennessee State, especially back in the day with the John Merritt. You would think about Florida A&M also. And the program that gets left off of this list when you talk about all-time greats is Morgan State University. We forget because over the last... 40 plus years it just hasn't gone well for the Morgan State program overall. Uh you, you if you look at the last uh going back let's say from uh from from even the 80s because of, you know what happened with Morgan Morgan decided and, and I think it was in 1979 to uh, to come out of the MIAC, go back to Division 2. I don't remember if they rejo- rejoined the CIAA and then in 84 went back to the MIAC, but it had been, I mean, tough times. You talk about lack of winning seasons. Uh, you know, Donald Hill Ely arrives and things get a little bit better. Um, and then, of course, in 2014, Lee Hull leads the program to us a, to a, a winning season. And it may not have been an overall winning season because Morgan did lose that playoff game. So Morgan may have been six and six, but regular season, a winning season and a share of the MIAC crown, and a berth in the FCS playoffs. But outside of that, I mean, it's been few and far between in terms of success at Morgan State. I said this early on. Damon Wilson left Bowie State to become the head coach at Morgan State. It was the right move. It was just going to be a matter of time. Now, I give it to you. It's just one football game. It's one football game. But it's a big football game um and over a nationally ranked team. Now we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. The thing about it no matter the Bears have a really good running game and while the quarterback position is not necessarily settled and we'll talk more with coach Wilson about that, the defense is elite. It is an elite defense and defense can carry you far. Especially in the MiAC. Okay. Defense is the matter, as a matter of fact, in the MIAC, defense is the way to go. And that permeates even outside of the MIAC uh, when you're talking about out-of-conference play. Because remember, most all of I mean more, the MIAC as a whole plays more out-of-conference games than it plays in conference games six to five, uh, in terms of out of conference games, six games, five games in uh, against various MIAC opponents. So I think that bodes well, um, and I think that's going to bolt well for Morgan State. And we'll see what happens. Uh, a a a really good test against Akron this Saturday on the road. We had some, you know, you had some big wins. Week one was interesting. You had a lot of D two wins over FCS opponents. You had Virginia State knocking off Norfolk State. Uh, you had Central State knocking off Mississippi Valley State. Uh, there's one that's not coming to my mind immediately right now. Oh, goodness. Um, there was another really big win, and I'll I'll have to uh, think about it and, and get back with you. It was another really big win. Um, but, you know, it, it was an interesting – a better week one amongst HBCUs than we've generally seen from week one in terms of wins – and against uh, non-HBCU opponents. I mean, that's something that we've talked about, I think, a lot uh, over the years, over the program, especially because you have a lot of these money games. But I I think week one uh, went well. You had some close games. I mean, you had West Virginia State falling by two points, uh, playing up to Moorhead State. So you you really had some big football games and some good wins. You know, Howard didn't beat Eastern Michigan. Howard played well. By the way, the other game I was thinking about, Bowie State defeated Delaware State. Um, You know, uh, even if you look at Elizabeth City State, maybe that program's on the come up, only falling by eight points to Catawba with really a chance to maybe win that football game. So a big week in HBCU football for week one. You've got it locked to Box to Row. I am your host, Donald, where we're gonna step aside, take a break, come back with more of the program. Don't go anywhere. Get up, get out and get something. How will
0: you make it if you never even try? You need to get up, get out and get
1: Cause you and I got to do
2: for you and I. That's why.
1: Get up, stand up. So who said you pinhead? See when I was a youngster, used to wear them country brogues. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing, North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
0: You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Row. Box to Row. Box to Row.
1: Things moving here on Box to Row, joined by a gentleman in his second season as the head football coach at Morgan State. The Bears with a huge, huge victory last Saturday over nationally ranked Richmond. Going to be back on the road on Saturday against FBS opponent Akron. Damon Wilson, the head football coach of the Morgan State Bears, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Wilson, uh, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, every everything's well. You know, we're just getting off the field. Had a good practice today uh, as we prepare for Richmond. Uh, but everything's moving in the right direction for sure.
1: No doubt. Again, um, condolences on the loss of your uh, of your father. The funeral is going to be on uh, on Monday for, for you. Is it? How is it? I don't want to say different. How is it handling the emotions of the loss of your father and and still trying to you know coach this program?
2: first of all thank you um it's it's difficult but the thing i have around a great support system uh with regard to my family and my my, my players and my coaches you know they've been here through the whole whole process with me and uh you know i had to miss a practice or two and i the guys were in good hands you know when i returned back to practice after two days you know it's like we never missed a beat uh so i have a lot of good people around me that are assisting uh, as we move this program forward and uh you know the players have been showing a lot of love and support um, to myself, and not just to me, to my to my family as well. So you know that that really means a lot to me. Uh, it definitely will be difficult. My dad was my first coach. You know, he's the one that kind of got me into this whole deal, and uh, it will be difficult. But he prepared me uh, for this next step in life. You know, so I, you know, I'm, I want to say I'm excited about this step, but I'm prepared for this step, and that's where we are.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure a wonderful man based upon you and and your career and all the. I mean, not not just on the field stuff, the off the field stuff, right. and the person you know, certainly that you are. Um, uh, Richmond, I mean, I mean, every, everybody's talk. I mean, when I say everybody, I don't just mean in HBCU. I mean, in FCS, you guys were presented uh, on Tuesday with the FCS, you know, the FCS um, Team of the Week Award. Like, this is a big deal. Your thoughts on the victory over Richmond, not just on the field, but what it means for the, it has meant for the Morgan State program.
2: Well, like you said, it's a big time win. You know, we went into their place, their top 20 team, and, uh, you know, we're just Morgan State. We're trying to figure it out, trying to find our way, and our guys played a step, uh, played extremely well. And, uh, you know, we, we, we played disciplined football for four quarters. Uh, we took advantage of opportunities that presented themselves. Uh, this is big. You know, this is big to step in the right direction. Uh, like I told the guys, hey, receiving accolades and awards, early in the year are great. You know, we don't we don't want to uh you know shortchange the importance of receiving those awards. However, we want to put ourselves in position to receive those awards in in uh in December. You know, that's really when you when you're talking about championship caliber teams, you're talking about on the late fall, uh early winter. And that's something that we want to focus on and to be in a position to uh be in a conversation in, in November and December. Uh, but this this is big time, like I said, being recognized as the uh, FCS uh, team of the week. That's a major accomplishment, a major honor. And we're, we're going in the right direction with this program, I believe. You know, with that, like, how do you
1: temper temper that? Because, I mean, again, this has been a program. I mean, you can go back to the 2014 season when when it was a five way tie. You know, certainly in the MIAC and Morgan had the two of the three tiebreakers enabled uh, the Bears to go to the playoffs. But, you know, and then there's been some, I mean, a and I think it was back-to-back seasons when a was nationally ranked. Th- those were big wins as well. But how do you sort of calm everybody down, particularly the players, and, you know, prepare for Akron?
2: It's, that's a great question, but it's funny you ask. It's something we talked about. and you know, I told the guys that we were going to, uh, you know, we were going to be successful. Uh, we are going to have an opportunity to, to – uh, open some eyes. Those guys have, you know, kind of brought into that. But then our next step is how we handle success. You know, then you go to how you sustain success. So the, the good thing about it, I have a reference point. I've gone through this before. Uh, I've learned a lot from mistakes that I've made in the past uh, with regards to handling a team after success or or, or a win. Uh, so I have a reference point. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. We're talking to the guys about it. So right now we're at that place where we're back to neutral, how you handle success. That game was last Saturday. We have a major challenge ahead of us in Akron, and uh, we have to be prepared to play these guys on Saturday. couple more thoughts with respect to Richmond and then
1: res- I mean, respectfully respecting what you're saying. Um, we're going to move on. Well, first thought is, can you, you know, all the wins you had at Bowie State, um, uh, you know, you you had so much success. I mean, is there is there a win there that sort of equates to this particular win?
2: Well, I thought about that. Uh, I want to say that West Alabama win. That was the first playoff win of the university at Bowie State University. And I think that that win really opened eyes uh, and allowed other conferences in Division II to recognize uh, that the CIAA plays good football. You know, so that win there, I think, is, is kind of equal to um, this type of win just at another level. Uh, but for me, it, it holds the same type of importance. The only difference is that West Alabama win was in the playoffs. You know, so once again, you want to be able to be relevant in November and December. Uh, But, yeah, that win there was pretty equal to the one uh, we just had uh, against Richmond.
1: Damon Wilson, again, in his second season as the head football coach at Morgan State, he joins us here on Box to Row. Eric Hunter, I mean, speak to the kind of player he is. If you look at the numbers from his first year to last year, uh, he made an improvement 11, what, 11 tackles in this game, a big uh, big sack fumble uh, late that enabled you to score the go-ahead uh, touchdown. Speak to how good a player he is or can be.
2: Big-time player. Big-time player. I mean, he's a guy that has a, a endless motor, but he also prepares. His, our, our linebacker's office is right next to my office. He's always in our linebacker's coach's office watching film uh, and breaking down himself. He's a, uh, he's a, he's really, he's pretty tough on himself. He holds himself to a high standard. Uh, he has a, a tremendous amount of athletic ability. Uh, and He wants to be developed and wants to be coached. So he's taking great coaching from day one. Coach Brawley has done a good job uh, preparing him to play. And uh, he's a kid that I think is probably one of the best backers at FCS football. Uh, on the
1: other side of the football, JJ Davis, your thoughts on his uh, first games, a kid, you know, going back to his true freshman year, I believe in 2019, you like, man, this guy's going to be. Really, really good. Maybe didn't fit so whatever the case was at Norfolk is what it was. Uh, but mm-hmm. your thoughts on his on his first game?
2: Man, he he did a great job for us. You know, he, he's it's uh, kind of backing up Jabril Johnson right now. Who Jabril? I mean, we have four running backs that probably either one of them could start. Uh, Jabril did a good job, but JJ was a good change of pace uh, back for us. Uh, like I said, JJ had a lot of success at, at Norfolk his freshman year, and uh, he graduated from Norfolk and decided to come here and join Coach Sherman, who was just coordinated there at Norfolk. And uh, so he's familiar with the system. He's a guy that we can move around and uh, we're really excited about the things that he can do with the ball in his hands.
1: Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Morgan state joins us here on the program. Um, You know, sort of for you, I know you're preparing for Akron. It's the next, next game, but I I noticed on the conference call, the Miac conference call, you talked a little bit about the quarterback position. Um, Maybe it's not settled at this point. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on, the position and how it looks moving forward.
2: You you, you, you we you know me we've typically had one guy and we we were wrong with that guy the whole year. This camp was pretty interesting, man. Uh, we had two guys really battling it out and to be honest, we had a, have a third and, um, and Deuce, who's another guy that's played college ball. But we wanted to see Dominic Anthony. He was at ODU. He uh, did not play there, but he was there several years. So we want to get him some playing time and see how he does the under the whistle. Uh, Carson Baker's a guy that knows the system. He's a year in the system now. Uh, so we told both of those guys they were going to play uh, in game one. And we're going with the same mindset, the same approach in the second game of the season. Uh, we're trying to kind of fill it out. When it's non-conference schedule, we can go with the hot hand if if there is one. Uh, you know, moving forward when we get in conference play. So I mean, to your point, that's not something
1: you've generally done. And boy, you've you've had a plethora. I mean, you had I, I remember, forget what year you had a guy go down, guy step right in. I mean, it was just it was crazy the 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 riches that you had in terms of uh, of quarterback. Speak to how as a coach, sometime you you uh, search uh, situations dictate what happens is sometimes you have to change your philosophy
2: Uh, indeed and the good thing about it both well all three of the guys have similar skill sets so that helps us so we don't have to change anything schematically and all three of those guys are really selfless players they just want the team to be successful at the end of the day, they they all want to play of course but they they understand if if Carson's in there and he's handling his business then hey they're going to support him you know and um a uh, Deuce did a great job on the sideline. Uh, that's uh, Antoine Taylor did a great job on the sideline, communicating with the quarterbacks when they came out. You know, I basically we basically picked up another coach on the sideline uh, on the game this past Saturday because he was he was really involved with their uh, uh, communication uh, once those guys came off the field on Saturday. Two last
1: thoughts. You look at the Baltimore and Washington area. Been basketball. I've been gone for a while, but when I was coming through, it was all about basketball. I mean, you got, you have athletes, right? So you're going to have some good football players. It's all about basketball. Seems however, that the football is starting to really matter a whole lot more. Um, your thoughts maybe on how, uh, how football, particularly at the high school level has grown in the, in the uh, Baltimore and Washington area.
2: I think this changed, like I said, it's changed probably over the last seven or eight years. Uh, at one time, you know, uh, the, the DMV, if you will, wasn't a heavily recruited area. Now you pretty much have everyone coming in our backyard to recruit. And I think, and, and to your point, the high school coaches, get some coaches. Uh, I think it's a better quality coaching. I think the guys are playing youth ball and all that good stuff throughout the year. That's helping uh, their skill set. Um, but I we have different schools that we can go to now and feel pretty good about the guys that we can uh, recruit out of those uh, uh, high schools that'll give us a chance to be successful. But a lot of go, a lot goes to the high school coaching and the preparation they're putting into it. strength and conditioning has picked up in this area. And I think we're seeing, you know, seeing that in the student athletes once they leave high school.
1: Last thought, uh, Akron coming off the loss to start the season to Temple, tough loss uh, for Akron, your thoughts on some of the challenges that Akron
2: presents. Team speed. Those guys are fast offensively, uh, up front, defensively, physical defensive line. They bring give you a lot of different looks that you must be sound in your protection as well as your run game rules. Uh, so they're going to present several challenges for us. Uh, kicking game is the area that we have to once again be sound in. Uh, but if we come out and play uh, Morgan State football, we'll put give ourselves a chance to be successful.
1: Damon Wilson again in his second season as the head football coach. At Morgan State, the Bears coming off again the victory uh, over Richmond. But on Saturday, going to be on the road again, taking on Akron. Coach Wilson, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Bears.
2: Yes, sir. I appreciate you, brother.
1: So thank you to Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Morgan State, for joining us on the program. Did you know that of the 31 former HBCU players that have made NFL rosters for 2023-21, of those players went undrafted. I'll discuss next.
0: Right here on SiriusXM. What up? What up? Yo 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 yo. yo. Okay, KK.
1: Welcome back to Box to Row on College Sports Radio. Thank you for making the program a part of your day. In the last segment, we were joined by Morgan State head football coach, Damon Wilson. And one of the things that I've been talking about for a good amount of time now uh, are the lack of players from HBCUs drafted into the National Football League. There was only one in the 2023 draft. That was Isaiah Bolden from Jackson State and uh, we're wishing Isaiah Bolden nothing but the best. You know he uh, he he laid uh, he had that that it was a big hit. I guess it's it's been almost. I mean I guess it was towards. The, it's been probably three weeks now. Um, and he he laid motionless, but he was able to to sort of regain himself, and and we hope that uh, that all is well with him. He's one of the ones uh, of the thirty one, or actually, well, the thirty one total players. Uh, that are on NFL rosters or former HBCU players that are on NFL rosters. Um, He's actually one of the 22 that have made the 53-man roster. Um, But he was the only player drafted. You go back to 2022 when only four players were drafted, just four players drafted from HBCUs. And I thought what was interesting once that happened because – if you go back to the previous year, no players were drafted in 2021. You go back to 2020, I think it was like two players that were drafted. And I I thought it was interesting that the National Football League made a big deal about and and I'm talking about last year's draft. It made a big deal about there were four players that were drafted in, you know, uh, uh, you know, Troy Vincent um, who I, I believe is titles head of operations. For the National Football League, did like an op-ed. I think it ran. May I don't. It may have only run actually in uh, in the Fayetteville Observer uh, in North Carolina because Joshua Williams was one of those players that uh, was drafted, and he was the highest draft pick actually uh, of any of the HBCU players, and of course went on uh, to uh, help Kansas City win the Super Bowl last year. And, and played a role. I mean, he played a role. It's a fourth round pick. And, and again, if, if you draft players, they are, they can play. But the thing I've harped on is to me, it's cheap labor. You sign these players from HBCUs and, you know, the NFL tries to tout its, you know, sort of its relationship with, uh, with HBCUs as, as many entities do. I mean, a lot of entities do that. And, 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 in all, in all fairness to the National Football League, the National Football League has put its money or put some money where its mouth is with, you know, you have the NFL Combine. Uh, you have uh, the, the game that is played surrounding the Combine in, in New Orleans. So, and, and it's a chance for scouts to see these players. So, I mean, I, I, I give the league credit. Like, they're not just paying lip service like a lot of other entities are, Yet, and still, there is still an issue with players. All that's happening. Players are still not being drafted into the National Football League. Now, I mean, you can look at it from a number of different perspectives. HBCUs fall under small schools. HBCUs, whether it's the FCS level, D1, which is D1, whether it's the Division two level, or whether it's the NAIA level uh, or even independent level, are small schools. And you have many small schools because all of the schools in FCS, Division two, Division three, NAIA, are all small schools. So, you know, not a lot of small school players are being drafted, okay? So I'll, I'll lay that out there, and, I, and, and and I'll say that. The issue, however, is that when you look at the landscape of the players from HBCUs that are either making NFL rosters or, meaning 53-man rosters, or the practice squad, which means you're on the roster, you're just not active. You could be activated from the roster really on any given week most of those players are f- had signed at free agent as as free agents and the difference is when you sign or, or, or when you're drafted no matter where you're drafted you are allotted a certain amount of money in signing bonus money when you sign your contract everyone that's drafted gets guaranteed money now, there are some that sign free agent deals that get get some signing bonus money as well. It's not going to be as much generally speaking as those players that are drafted. It, there's again, per the um, the players, the the NFLPA and, and the NFL per that agreement, where every player is drafted or is slotted in the draft or where they're drafted really there's a certain amount of money that that player makes in signing bonus money. And a lot of the HBCU players are not getting that money because they're not being drafted. Now, in doing some of the research, and big shots out to Luke Williams, the editor of the Black College Sports page. He's a friend of the program and a colleague. I mean, Luke Williams, as a matter of fact, Luke Williams appeared on this program when this program launched on August 20th, 2005. So that's how far we go back with Luke Williams. And he does a great job with his sports page and really breaking down every year. He breaks down who makes the roster of NFL teams from HBCUs, uh, et cetera. So looking at his list of the 31 players that made the roster, whether it be the 53 man roster or the practice squad, 21, of those players, 21 of those players, signed at some point as free agents. 21 of those players signed as free agents. You mean to tell me that those players could not have originally been drafted? I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe, you know, as I look at the list, I don't, I'm going to look at the list. And yeah, there are some players that and 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 to be frank there are some players on this list that worked that just worked uh as worked hard really in the offseason after their college career uh, was over and really worked and worked and worked to make that 53 man roster but there are a lot of players on this list that should have been drafted marquise bell uh out of florida a&m with the cowboys now he got if i if i remember correctly some some, I don't want to say, I don't know if I want to say significant time with the Cowboys last year, but he played, he definitely played last year. I mean, that that's a guy that should have been drafted last year, in last year's National Football League draft. I mean, and even some of these players are drafted low. You look at a James Houston, he's a six-round draft pick going back uh, to the 2022 draft, and all he did last year was have like eight sacks in six games for the Lions. OK, Emmanuel Wilson, to me, I mean, you know, noticing him, uh, his size, the way he ran the football. And, yeah, I mean, he he went to a, an even and he didn't go to an FCS HBC. He went to Johnson Smith and then transferred to Fort Valley State. Well, if you looked at his size and looked at the way that this kid ran the football, he dominated his competition. I mean, I you could you could see that that is a kid that should have been drafted. OK, he was not drafted. I look at Jamie Gillian. We had him on the program, Jamie Gillian, excuse me, I had him on the program um, last year, the punter for the Giants um, out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Like, I get it, okay, so punters aren't drafted, okay, so maybe, maybe that's not a great example because we don't really see a lot of punters that are drafted anyway, but he was that good that he probably should have been drafted. So, you know, listen. I go back to Titus Howard. I think it was going back to 2018. I mean, he was a first-round draft pick. There wasn't a first-round draft pick out of an HBCU uh, since Dominic rodgers Cromarty was drafted in the 2007, uh, either 2007 or 2008 National Football League draft out of Tennessee State. And historically, and I get it, you know, the the top players aren't going to HBCUs as they once did, although I think you're starting to see a, a little bit of a return to that to some degree. But it used to be, you know, I mean, obviously way back in the day before, before integration, I mean, that's the only place you could go unless you were going to a, t- a school in the Big Ten. And even then, I mean, there was a limited amount of black players that played at those schools or if you were going out West. Um, But even as early as, you know, the 90s, I mean, there were first-round draft picks uh, coming out of HBCUs, and now it is so few and far between. I'll give the league some credit. You know, you've got the combine and, and the game and some other things that the league has put into place. The would fine. the fact of the matter is that players from HBCUs are still not being drafted into the National Football League. Yet 21 of 31 players that are, are on NFL rosters are free agents. That means that means from the onset because they weren't drafted, they aren't getting the money. Interested in hearing from you, your thoughts. I mean, am I way off base on this? What can the National Football League do about it? Is there more? I want to get your thoughts. That's my, that's how I look at it. I want to hear how you look at it. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToro, B O X T O R O W. We've got more of the program on the other side again. Still to come previewing the HBCU National Games of the Week and my thoughts on Deion Sanders and Colorado and whether or not Deion Sanders as the head coach of Colorado will help other black coaches on the FBS
0: level. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip. The neighborhood original.
1: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, Log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
0: Down, 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 down. Down, 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 down. Right here on SiriusXM. What up? What up? Yo, 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 yo. Yo, okay, okay, KKK. Okay. A lot
1: of people have been watching, you know, Colorado to see what Deion Sanders was going to do as the head coach uh, at Colorado. Now, I know there uh, was maybe, certainly at Jackson State. Um, And then maybe in the HBCU world, uh, maybe some uh, some 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 hurt feelings uh, by those um, at Jackson State, uh, those. And I'm not saying everyone at Jackson State, some of those in the HBCU world. I think to think that Deion Sanders was going to stay at Jackson State for a long period of time was not realistic. Um, As I wrote about, I, I thought it was the right move. Uh, for him to move on to Colorado. And I know a lot of people, not just in HBCU, but people, generally speaking, had their eyes uh, on that football game against TCU. That was a huge win for Colorado. As uh, Deion Sanders appropriately stated when correcting a reporter earlier in the week, he said, I am an HBCU grad, and he is, uh, and that that's a fact, he is an HBCU grad um big win Shador Sanders was phenomenal like I I'm gonna tell you he showed me something I knew Shador Sanders could play I think we all knew he could play okay I think the question was what would he do against FBS competition week in and week out okay now you you can talk about whether TCU plays defense or not perennially. We can talk about all that, but the numbers don't lie. Completed 38 of 47 passes, 510 yards, four touchdowns, did not throw a single interception in that football game. And to me, what it said to me is this, and you, you know, we watched that young man improve every year. 2021, solid freshman year. He took it up another notch in 2022 to the point, I mean, I think at some point he had thrown like, 20 some odd touchdowns and no interceptions. We know even he's he's in the 70 percentile in terms of completion percentage. So we know he could play, but he was going to have to take his preparation to another level in playing at Colorado because week in and week out, you're playing uh, FBS opponents. And so I think his preparation coming into this 2023 season w- was excellent and that enabled him to, To have an outstanding football game, Travis Hunter, uh, former Jackson State player, uh, could play either way. He had an interception. He also had 11 receptions, 419 yards in this football game uh, as well. And I was also pleased to see the running of Savion Wilkerson. Now, remember, he played at Jackson State last year, but previous to that, he played at Delaware State. So you've got HBCU footprint uh, all over uh, Colorado Right now, So, you know, listen, I wasn't the biggest Deion Sanders fan, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to say like I'm on the bandwagon. It's just the fact of the matter is, it's good to see when HBCU players go to the, if that's what they choose to do, go to the next level and uh, perform uh, those three young men in particular did. And then Deion Sanders as the head coach um, did as Well, I know a lot of people were also watching this game. Maybe that didn't necessarily have a rooting interest in HBCU sports, but want to see a black coach do well. Well, I saw a lot of that. He went out, coached that team up. They won that football game. You know, the question becomes, does this help if he succeeds at Colorado, because if he succeeds there, there's going to be another stop. Okay. More than likely at a higher profile program, unless he has Colorado in, in, you know, in the playoff conversation in, you know, winning uh, possibly winning conference championships, then he'll, he, he may stay there. Right. But what does this mean for other black coaches? Okay. And that's the question. I think, I don't know that it it's great. Right. But I don't know that it helps black coaches across the board uh, in terms of getting hired as FBS coaches. This is an issue. It's a serious issue. There are only a handful of FBS coaches that are black coaches at the FBS level. It's an issue, and I think it filters down to the National Football League. I think that's why when we talk about the lack of black uh, head coaches in the National Football League, uh, generally speaking, and as a whole, um, that's part of the reason, because there's a lack of black coaches at the FBS level. How does how, how does Dion's success help other black coaches? We'll see. Uh, I, I think it's more to that. I think when you look at Deion Sanders, um, you know, he... While a black man, no doubt, obviously, um, you know, he's got such a big name that he's going to get these kinds of opportunities, whether it's at Colorado or whether it's at his next stop. The question is what, what happens to a black coach that has all of the the credentials. Okay. But whose name isn't Deion Sanders. And that's what I'm interested in seeing. Uh, You know, If we need to see more black coaches at the FBS level, um, and you know, and, and, and again, I've talked about this a bunch from an HBCU standpoint. I mean, you've had two coaches, two all time, uh, that are, that graduated from HBCUs, uh, that are head football coaches, uh, Willie Jeffries, the legendary Willie Jeffries at, uh, of course, at at Wichita State, and then currently Charles Huff, who's the head football coach um, at Marshall. Those are the only two ever. What about the Trey Olivers of the world? What about the Damon Wilsons of the world? When are these guys going to get their opportunities if they so choose to get uh, those opportunities? They're still young enough um, that those opportunities could be presented to them if they continue to have success. Of course, Damon Wilsons, building up his program at Morgan, but I have no doubt that he's going to have success. Trey Oliver's already having success. I mean, and and he's under the Rod Broadway coaching tree. So that really means something um, as well. But what about those coaches? Are they going to be able to, you know, if they have that continued success at the respective institutions, are they going to get those opportunities at these FBS programs Two in the history, in the all time history of FBS football? Shameful of all the coaches that have had opportunities. Listen, Buddy Pugh's getting ready to retire. Uh, We know this. Um, That's a coach that didn't have his opportunity. And I asked him about it. Did he feel like slighted um, if he wanted to be an FBS coach? Did he feel slighted that he never got the opportunity? Now he'll, he said he didn't. He enjoyed South Carolina State doing what he was doing. Plus he said he was a little bit older. He had coached high school for 15 years. That said, he was an assistant coach under Lou Holtz, for six years, did a good job, did a great job at South Carolina State. Maybe he, you know, you know. sometimes as coaches, maybe you are running against father time in terms of age and the perception. That's what it's all about. To me, if you can coach, you can coach. It's the perception of whether you're older uh, or not. And we need to see more black head coaches at the FBS level. Okay, and I'm hoping that the, the coaches that I mentioned and some others Particularly that our HBCU grads will get this opportunity, showing that. And I wrote a piece about this, and you can Google it on BoxToWrite.com um, back in December, uh, shortly after North Carolina Central won the Celebration Bowl. Our coaches can coach too. So hopefully, if they want that opportunity, uh, not that they will they will be given that opportunity, they would have earned that opportunity, and then. Because they earned that opportunity, um, they will uh, continue to climb and uh, ultimately be FBS coaches. And, you know, I think about some of the coaches more recently that never got their opportunities. What about a Joe Taylor, for instance? So much success when you're talking about Hampton and, and, and his out Virginia Union and his great career, uh, never getting the opportunity to coach at the FBS level, it's, it's a shame. So the Deion Sanders effect, it is an effect. Does it, will it, could it help black coaches be hired at the FBS level, specifically at the head job? But I mean, I think you even have to have some at the coordinator position as well. Uh, will it help? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it will help. Um, again, as I mentioned before, Deion Sanders, such a big personality and all that he's, you know, done on the field and what he just the, just who he is Uh, again, seven and a half million people tuned into a football game involving Colorado to, to see Deion Sanders. Like, that's I mean, to me, that's sort of mind blowing. Um, as a as someone who uh is in the sport, covers the sport, all those kind of things, but that's but that's the Deion Sanders effect. So I'm not really sure if it will help black coaches moving forward if Deion Sanders has success. I mean, it can't hurt because we are where we are anyway. But I would like look, we need more black coaches at the FBS level real quick. Uh, the HBCU national games of the week. And you can give me your thoughts. Uh, hit me up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W on anything that I had to say, give me your thoughts. I want to hear from you as well. Real quick. The games of the week. Jackson state is at Southern North Carolina central is at North Carolina. A T Jackson state and Southern. I think. You know, Harold Blood, the quarterback for Southern, if he can cut down on the turnovers, they can get the Jaguars can get the running game going. I think uh, Jackson State's a little bit susceptible to the run, giving up an average of 172 yards in two games. That game is in Baton Rouge, big time atmosphere there in Louisiana. Um, I'm going to go with Southern in the that football game. And then North Carolina ANT and North Carolina Central Davious Richards, the all-world all-world quarterback for the Eagles. AT gonna have to try to find a way to stop him smaller up front, but that central offensive line isn't up to par. I think one of the matchups to look out for is the wide receiver core for Central against the defensive backfield for AT. I'm gonna recuse myself in terms of making a prediction on this game as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina a t football. But I got a lot more in-depth. I will get more in-depth on this. You can listen to Box The Road tomorrow, as a matter of fact, on Sirius XM Channel 142, the HBCU Channel 9 a.m. Eastern. That's 8 a.m. Central Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Also on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, which can be found at... Box2Row.com. So again, broadcasting tomorrow. Very excited about this. The ANT in North Carolina Central Game. It can be heard at 7 p.m. on Sirius XM Channel 386. There are also other HBCU games that you can listen to as well on Sirius XM, the aforementioned Jackson State and Southern game. My man Rob J's got that call on Sirius XM channel 384, Alcorn State with my man Charles Edmond the play-by-play voice of the Braves against Stephen F Austin on channel 385 you can also listen to Howard broadcasts Olcorn State broadcasts uh, as well as you can listen to the Norfolk State Hampton game tomorrow as well and you can listen to Tennessee State broadcasts on Sirius XM as well so Sirius XM broadcasting some HBCU games we love it Got to get ready to run. Thank you to Damon Wilson for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, great content, HBCU coaches and media polls, players of the week, log on to our website, Box2Row.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row on SiriusXM College Sports Radio is produced by DW Communications.